Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 10th. This is episode 83. I'm Tony, and I'm back. You're back. Welcome back. Thank yes, you. we had a tremendous quantity of complaints about the last episode. Everything I saw was joy that it was the greatest. That was Don of Gaming on <laughs> 10 Minutes a Week. He was the one person who liked the ultra-brief Dennis Just Tear Through the News episode. Uh, I'm Dennis, by the way, and we have a guest. Uh, we do. In fact, we have Don's partner in crime when it comes to Gaming on 10. He's also the host of For Amusement Only, the EM and Bingo Pinball Podcast, and he is the author, uh, co-author, I should say, of the upcoming Coin-Op Carnival, Electrifying Tales of Mechanical Contraptions. Welcome to the show, Nick Baldridge. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Well, we're really glad to have you on because we're only going to be, I think, the third podcast to cover Coin-Op <laughs> Carnival. <laughs> but, but I appreciate it because I look through the latest pinball news and you're the only news that's worth talking about. So... Oh. I don't have to agree. All the I mean, time. I don't want to go. Well, I, I, I'm the humility you've just shown is is incredible. And <laughs> I mean, is that or del- dive into the the latest stern upcoming theme rumors, which I'm not really keen on just going on about. Oh, look, wouldn't Jaws be fun? Too bad they're not doing it. I mean, we could we could go there. If we need to. But uh, so. Nick, this is our, our intro section, and normally I would go ahead, and, and I will, like I do normally, and kick it over to you to talk about what's going on. I guess I'll, I'll prime the pump a little bit and say I know that you've got the P3 platform from Multimorphic, and I'd love mm-hmm. some thoughts on it, because Tony and I, we actually get a lot of requests to cover P3 when we talk about pinball news, and so we, we try to, but neither of us own a machine. We don't know anyone who does. Well, now we know you do, so there's that. Hey, uh, knowing's half the battle, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I picked up a P3 uh, at the end of the week before last, and I am loving it. I've been fascinated by this machine and its promise since uh, it was first unveiled, and it's undergone several revisions since then. Um, when I received it, I hadn't actually put hands on one that was on, Uh I was really excited at last year's York show because there was going to be one that was there. Uh, Joe Newhart from Pinball Star had just signed up as a distributor, and he was going to be bringing one. But at York, I am part of a group that brings a bunch of bingos, and we we call it Bingo Row. And I'm there teaching people how to play pretty much all weekend. So when I would get there in the mornings, it wasn't on, and I had to go and do maintenance and whatever stuff to prep the row for the day and I wasn't able to get back there and play a game um, unfortunately but I did put my hands on it while it was off and I liked what I felt so <laughs> um, anyway I just reviewed a bunch of stuff and talked with uh, Jerry from Multimorphic a lot uh, and he answered all my questions in a way that uh, made me feel good about it and uh, I said let's pull the trigger let's do it so received it and I've got to say the engineering in this game is insane. It's, it's a step above. It's really amazing. Um, I'm a, I'm a tech kind of guy. So that's the stuff I kind of gravitate towards first is how is this thing put together? Where are the failure points going to be? That kind of thing. Um, so that I am kind of prepared for when things fall apart. Cause you know, it's pinball stuff's going to fall apart eventually. Um, and I've, 
I'm blown away. I mean, there's uh, very little in there that uh, is not modular, meaning you can actually take it and physically remove it from the machine to work on it. Uh, and there's not very much that's exposed in such a way that I think any damage is really going to occur. Um, so I'm extremely impressed from a technical standpoint. Uh, the gameplay, as I mentioned, I hadn't even gotten to, to flip a game, so I wasn't sure what to expect exactly with uh, Lexi Lightspeed, which is the one that I picked up, and I was blown away there, too. Um, now, Dennis, you and I have had a few conversations about... Uh, the type of pinball player that I am. And I'm, I'm kind of a replay chaser. So yeah, we're going to be getting into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I play for the thrill of, of winning a free game and, uh, there are no replays on Lexi. Um, so it's, it's all about progressing through the modes, but with the way that the P3 is constructed, there's that lower two thirds, which are, a screen that the ball is rolling over and virtual targets that appear on there. Uh, and the ball is tracked the entire time it's on the screen. So it can do pretty interesting things in that way. And it's really made me rethink the way that modes operate uh, within pinball because of that. Um, for example, there's a mode where you are progressing through a warehouse and you're trying to pick up gears in order to repair your spaceship and uh, wandering through the spaceship, or I'm sorry, through the warehouse, requires you to hit certain lit scoops, which will pop up from the playfield. Uh, and lining up the shots is pretty tricky, but also you're trying to collect things which are present on the screen, uh, usually with a minimum of two shots. So it becomes quite tricky, uh, and... It's a timed mode, so you have to be careful not to overshoot and wind up in the pops at the top and, you know, wait for the ball to come back to you. So it's uh, it's quite fun and very challenging. Um, but one of the biggest things and one of the main reasons that I picked up the P3 was uh, the ability to program your own games. Now, some We're, of your... Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask. So when are you starting on that, Nick? Very shortly. <laughs> okay. Um, so I just got in contact with Jerry and got a copy of the development kit. And it's awesome. I mean, I really have nothing negative to say about this platform at this point. But the development kit is very similar to working on Homebrew Pinball. Um, I've used PyProc Game, which is the kind of the initial framework for Homebrew that came out for both of my flipperless games, the multi-bingo and multi-races, which is currently under construction. And um, it's very, very similar to that. So activating coils, very similar. Activating lamps, very similar. Um, the only difference is the screen control, which happens through Unity. And uh, that's a very popular framework uh, that's used in mobile games, uh, console games, PC games. It's used everywhere. Uh, so it's very straightforward to integrate that with your traditional pinball type programming. So Nick, when are we going to get Quest for Glory pinball? That's what everyone wants to know. As soon as possible. Um, will that will that be the first project? That's going to be my first project. Yes. Okay. Um, my my daughters are interested in programming games themselves, uh, but I kind of want to get a feel for uh, the cohesive system you know with the screen and everything first 
So I'm going to start with Quest for Glory and we'll go from there. Yeah, that was the, well, besides that, I know you're a huge fan of the series. The, I like the idea of the development on the P3, the, as many ideas as I've ever had for doing a pinball game, it's the woodworking that keeps me away from even wanting to remotely try it. Not even the electrical. Mm-hmm. It's the wood. I don't want to carve, cut play fields. I don't have a CNC machine. I don't want to do any of that. Uh, Same here. Yeah. And so, but P3, you've got the play field. It's there. It's right. It's ready for you to module it up and code it up. And it's got its own track. Well, Tony and I have talked quite a bit about the engineering behind P3, yeah. which has always impressed us. The thing that, we've struggled with and i would assume that the company struggles with from a sales standpoint is they need the killer app lexi lightspeed i think is a lot of fun but it's not a top 10 game in the minds of pretty much anyone so they just mm-hmm. they need that killer app that makes people go it's worth spending the ten thousand dollars did you get all of the modules when you bought it no i i only have the lexi module but the, that ball lock mechanism on that cosmic kart racing is pretty cool that is next on my list. Okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to push excited. you into spend all your money, Nick. <laughs> it pleases me. Let it flow like water. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Execute <laughs> order number cosmic cart. <laughs> I know that wasn't yeah, a number, but what, but what can I do? <laughs> so, um, now this is really interesting because you have been, I don't want to use the word critical. So I'll use the word cruel instead. You've been very <laughs> cruel towards code and pinball machines and how that, is not the direction that you felt pinball needed to move in. But now that you've mm-hmm. had time on the P3 platform, have you modified your position? Are you just embracing the hypocrisy? <laughs> Let's expo- explore those feelings with us. Well, that's the the beauty is uh, what I'm all about is shot geometry and having clear defined goals. And with the P3, uh, and Lexi in particular, I feel that you do have clear defined goals. The scoring is very well laid out. Um, and the shot geometry is pretty awesome. Uh, there's a couple different ramps or scoop. Uh, there's a feed to the pops through an orbit. Uh, there's a variety of things that um, are, are very clear, unlike uh, other modern games where it's going to depend on the color of a particular insert, whether or not you want to shoot it. Uh, if you happen to shoot it when it's the wrong color, does it um, hinder your progress in any way? Not usually. Um, it's just most modern games are kind of a um, confusing cornucopia of sensory input that doesn't actually equate to progress in a game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see, I see where you're going. So you, you think that it's too complex for the player to walk up and understand what they're supposed to be doing. Even a, a player, a seasoned player, you know, I've been playing since I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, but some... EMs. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, uh, I haven't played uh, EMs until I was in my 20s. Um, mm. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's kind a of you to consider player. 20s not being a kid anymore. Yeah, well, good point. <laughs> old, old, he's, well, it's the old school philosophy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I think that modern games are a little too confusing for the average player like myself. I, I would consider myself an average player. So. That's probably inaccurate, but but we'll we'll roll with that. Before I get out of the, this intro section, I I want to I want to because I've listened to your uh, EM and Bingo Pinball podcast for so long, 
and mm-hmm. I listened to your gaming on 10 with Don. Uh, I want to, I want to challenge you on a few things here. If you don't mind. It and, sounds awesome. Well, it's not really, they're not challenge. Cha- again, I'm not using my right words today. Challenge isn't really what I need. I just need you to admit certain things. So, <laughs> so okay. let me throw these out here and you, and let's see if you can admit that these are true. I want you to admit that three inch flippers are superior to two inch flippers. Whoa, I can't do that. Okay, so that one we can't do. All right, I want you to admit that gobble, hole, gobble holes are an unfun feature. Wow, no, uh, can't be <laughs> oh. done. Nick, you're you're batting zero and two here. This is just not going the way I imagined it in my in my dreams. Uh, I want you to admit that playing for score is what really matters to people, not playing for a bunch of replays. Uh, well, that matters to some people, and okay. I, I oh, certainly understand. That's like half mindset. a point. Yeah, but not for me. All right. Now, oh, now here's one that's really going to challenge you. Well, maybe not. <laughs> it, depends, it depends. I want you to m- admit that Wayne Nyans was a better engineer than Don Hooker was. Ooh. Um, hmm. I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. <laughs> well, sorry, well the, the, yeah, I know the Nick Howell is not, he got, he's half a point out of four. <laughs> that's about it. Well, okay. Well, well, thank you for the introduction, Nick. Uh, Tony, what, what's, what's your intro? Tony, what are your opinions on Don Hooker and Wayne Nyans? I read an article about Wayne Nyans. Okay. That's my opinions. You've probably never even heard the name Don Hooker, nope. have you? Nope. Didn't think so. Nick, nope. Nick is having I'm, heart palpitations I'm, right I'm now. The, I, I, I'm, I'm the 50, the 50. I'm the 50. I'm the filthy casual of this group. Mm. That's what I am. Well, I only know about Don because of Nick's show, because Don Hooker was on the bingo side, not the <laughs> pinball side. Oh, that definitely explains. I don't, I've ever, I don't think I've even ever played a bingo. Well, not uh, once. I think Nick's, uh, multi bingo is going to be at Texas Pinball Festival. Am I correct, Nick? That is correct. And How are you? Fly- are you flying it out first class? Is it going to have free <laughs> drinks? Got the whole thing. Yeah, it's going to sit on the, the on the seat beside me, and no, I'm uh, I'm driving it out. Whoa! Ooh. How long is that drive? Twenty uh, some hours. Length is measured in distance, Nick. Uh, it's a while. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <A while. laughs> it's. A while. I'm kidding. You obviously like going to be either. I way. mean, let's see. Let's see. Get the what twenty hours. So you're probably looking at what about a thousand miles, something like that. But it's worth it to bring joy to the masses. Yeah, exactly. That's including that's the you, spirit, including you both, which I expect to see there, front and center. You know, ready to play. Well, I don't know about front and center, but we'll definitely <laughs> be there. <laughs> yeah. Now, whether or not we stop by your booth, I don't know. We'll see how this uh, well, it's, it's how this gonna, show goes. I think, I think it's more going to depend upon which day it is, because from from the basis of what we've seen online Sunday, Dennis is going to pretty have a pretty bad hangover mm. because it seems like everybody's going to get Dennis drunk. That's ridiculous. Saturday. I don't drink very much, so <laughs> those are del- it won't take those much are to, it won't no, it wouldn't. To- but those are delusions of a of an alcoholically fueled uh, hobby. <laughs> <laughs> whose members are only know one way to bond. Yeah, just um, situate yourself next to uh, some kind of potted plant, and you'll be all good. <laughs> that, we call we call that the the Marty technique from Head to Head Pinball. Uh, he's a, he's a, a big fan of his potted plant at times on his stream. Ah. Tony, what's been going on? I know you've had a lot. I've had so much. And probably none of it worth related to gaming. Very, Maybe a little bit. You know, I actually. Here's the thing. It makes me sad that I'm literally just going to touch on it. 
I played a whole lot of video games. Mm-hmm. You know, two and or three and four weeks ago before the last episode to talk about on the last episode. Yeah. And then between work and my wife's car breaking down and the horror story that was fixing that car and everything since that time, I've played gyms of war and mm. I like gyms of war. That's it. Well, no, I, I'm lying. That is not it. I, I, I did boot up to start playing some more horizon zero dawn. And it's set on the screen after I booted it up because I got called away to go do something. Mm-hmm. So then I turned it off without ever actually doing anything in that game. So I played lots of games a few weeks ago, and now I haven't played anything except for Gems of War because I can play that on my phone. Yeah. So, yay, life. Yeah. Life, life finds, finds a way. Life finds a way to <laughs> screw everything up. <laughs> but, no, it's been... It's just been a really busy... I found, actually, the closest I've come to gaming is I finally got a chance after our last pinball tournament uh, to stop by here in your freezing cold game room because the window wasn't fixed yet. The window's fixed. And, That's my... And, and play some, uh, uh, play some uh, TNA. And I've been watching a lot of Twitch streamers lately because I can have them running up, you know, on the computer or on my laptop or something while I'm doing... Something around the house. So that's been where I've been getting all my vicarious gaming, basically. I've been watching a lot of Apex Legends. Mm. Um, that's been the primary thing I've been watching. And I'm going to have to try that game. And then I watched yesterday, while I was doing some stuff around the house, I watched a whole bunch of an, uh, of uh, uh, a couple streamers I, I watch playing an alpha of a game that's basically the 3D uh, first-person version of Factorio. And I want that game. Like, bad. Well, it'll come out eventually. 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 So, but yeah, other than that, the only other thing I've done is I took my oldest daughter and my wife to go see Captain Marvel. No surprise. She loved it. She who? Both. Okay. But the daughter. (laughs) Okay. But her answer was, it's not. It wasn't better than Black Panther, which is still, to her consideration, the best Marvel movie. I saw it yesterday, and I would concur. Black Panther is a is a better overall film, but it is a good Captain Marvel. is good. Yeah, but Marvel's got their they've got their vanilla. They're the vanilla ice cream. They've got their formula. They, yeah, it's always going to taste okay. Yeah, it's good. Even the bad ones aren't like no. terrible, except maybe Hulk. But that was before they really perfected right, the recipe. Right. I mean, even you know, Thor wasn't. I mean, I can, Thor two, yeah, might be my next lowest after Hulk. But <laughs> I mean, I'd still I still a dark elf. A lot of other movies. We were twisted but... and turned into orcs. Oh wait, no, that's the wrong movie. Uh, <laughs> what can you do? Okay, well, my uh, my intro isn't isn't very much. Uh, I have a link in the show notes to Pinball Profile episode one eighty two. Uh, I, I was on that episode. That's why there's a link. I listened to it. Really? Yes. It's probably pretty redundant because a lot of that stuff we hit on on this week in pinball podcast from before. But, yep. but Jeff recorded it. We, he, he like pre-records. And then when he gets around to editing, uh, I didn't, I thought he wanted to do an additional record session too. So I was surprised it came out, but, uh, whatever works for him. Uh, as I noted, as I interrupted you during, uh, window is in. I had, I got it in the middle of the week. So I stained it on Wednesday and Thursday. Put the lacquer on it on Friday, got it installed, 
before you stained it with the blood of the thieves. You stained it with the <laughs> blood of the of the leftover stain from 2009 that my contractors used when they put in all these windows that I have. So I liked my idea. Better. Yeah, well, it was very dark. Did, it was very dark. I, I see you all ramboed up, hunting down the thieves, yeah. knife in your teeth. <sighs> I saw on the, on the Facebook, someone took a $20 bill and like with a pencil and they shaded it and made him look like Rambo, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> it's like, Andrew Jackson is Rambo, but with an extra helping of racism. It's exciting. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Total Nuclear Annihilation, you mentioned, I got a shaker motor for it. People mm-hmm. were like, you need to get the shaker motor. It's really well integrated. And so I was talking to my dad and I was like, here's some pictures of the kit. I don't want to pay $100. Do you think we could build a shaker motor for this thing? Because we did for the virtual pinball cabinet. It was a real easy thing to do. But it required a control board. And he's like, I don't have good pictures of the control board. You should just spend the $100. Quit being cheap. (laughs) So I did. Um, It was different than putting in the shaker motor with Star Trek. Because with Star Trek, it was, here's your shaker motor. Screw it into where the T-nuts are and plug the wire in. But with a spooky game, apparently, it's, here are the holes where the T-nuts go. Put in the T-nuts. Screw the shaker motor in. Now pick a spot to attach the control board. There's no pre-spotted holes for that. Then here's a wire. Run it through your nest of wire cables into the back box, and we'll go ahead and give you a board back there already. So it was actually pretty easy, but I was just sort of surprised at the number of steps. You were expecting just a plug-and-play thing. Well, I knew I was going to have the control board, so... but I thought maybe there would be at least an identified spot to mount it. Cause it just, the instructions are put it on the right side of the cabinet. It's like, okay, well in the photo, it looks like there's a ton of space, but in reality, the controls for the subwoofer are there. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's a small board, whatever. I still think we could have done it for less than a hundred bucks, but I don't get my way. <laughs> so Nick had to suffer through all of that. So now we're going to, we're going to go to some fun stuff. We're going to go into pinball, Nick, and we're going to go into news. And there's only one piece of news I really want to spend any time with, and that is Coin-Op Carnival, Electrifying Tales of Mechanical Contraptions. And I've got a link in the show notes for people so they can go to the website, because I see you have a website dedicated to this. But I'm going to really struggle here, Nick, because you've been on this flipping podcast, and you talked about this with your co-author, Ryan, who I should say wanted to be on here. But I was completely inconvenient with all of my time proposals. <laughs> I knew I was being inconvenient. And unfortunately, he just he could not make this work. And he sacrificed Nick to us. And it will be a sacrifice. Because the only thing I can think of, Nick, is because after the questions you had from Taylor and the questions you had from Don on Gaming on 10, all I can do is ask hard questions. I don't know how else to distinguish myself. So Ooh, I need you to prepare okay. yourself for okay. the really hard questions. <laughs> So we're going to start with the hardest one of all. Why in the world did you even decide to do this? <laughs> well, um, the first feature in Coin-Op Carnival is an intro comic uh, with Ryan and I discussing uh, why we decided to do this. But essentially, Ryan and I both have a love and fascination of electromechanical games. Uh, when I first started playing electromechanical games, I was itching to know what made them work. Uh, and I started getting into the repair side, started fixing games, uh, jumped in both feet first with one of the most complex games <laughs> that's probably ever been invented electromechanically, and really haven't looked back. El Toro? And, yes, El Toro. Bally El Toro. No, um, it was 
Bally's Double Up, which is a bingo pinball. Bingo, yeah. No, okay. Those are supposedly fairly complex, Nick. Did you know this that? Is, I wasn't aware of that, actually. Um, and Double Up is the next to most complex electromechanical game that's ever been invented, as far as I've ever been able to find. Um, there is a sister game to it called Hawaii, which has one extra stepper, but otherwise, <laughs> mm. this this game is okay. extremely complex, extremely. Um, so, I really have always loved the games. Uh, I, I find them clever and fascinating and very interesting. Uh, each one has its own different rule set, um, and this goes for any electromechanical now. But um, Ryan has always felt the same way, and. We went on vacation together. We go on a family vacation together, both of our families. Oh, you're uh, related. Once a year. No, no, no. Oh. But we are one big happy family. So, okay. Well, that's the important thing. <laughs> and we were sitting around uh, the kitchen table while I was working on the multi-bingo programming one evening. And Ryan and I were talking about how neat it would be if we were to make our own publication and what would set it apart. Um now, obvious influences are uh, the drop target scene. Uh, both of us really love that creation by John Chad and Alec Longstreth. Uh, and it is kind of a uh, tribute to uh, some of the zines that you know I used to really peruse on a weekly or monthly basis uh, back when I was a youth. And... Uh, it has to do with pinball, and it's heavily illustrated. So we thought, you know, we could do something similar, but differentiate ourselves in a number of interesting ways. Uh, the first being that Coin-Op Carnival is uh, dedicated to historical accuracy wherever possible. So we have really gone through and refined and made sure that our facts were straight in each of the features uh, to ensure that we're not misreporting something, you know, in print, uh, where it's harder to retract. <laughs> <laughs> and um, couple that with Ryan's illustrations. Um, unlike the drop target scene, which mixes in uh, photos along with illustrations and comics, uh, Coin Out Carnival is completely 100% illustrated. There's not a photograph in the magazine. Uh, it is full color, uh, which is unusual for Ryan Clater's work as well. Um, he does work in color, but most of his comics work has been black and white. Or he's got a, a fancier word for it than that. Um, duotone. Grayscale. Like <laughs> Not grayscale. Monochrome. <laughs> it's something, anyway. If um, only he was here to defend it, to defend himself and his word choice. Exactly. Um, but uh, he'll have to make do with my fumbling through it. But uh, anyway, uh, Coin Out Carnival is full color. And it's beautiful. Uh, I'm holding it in my hands right now, and it's quite lovely. So uh, this historical accuracy extends through the various images that we have. Uh, for example, uh, one of our main features is an interview with Wayne Nyans, um, which I'd like to return to your earlier question at some point, by the way. Um, but I had so many. You'll have to remind me which one. Oh, no worries. Oh, him, him versus Don Hooker? Exactly. Yep. Okay. We will we uh, will revisit it. Yeah. Conti continue. Penciled in. So uh 
Yeah, but there's a, a story that Wayne tells within that about the free play credit unit that Wayne developed. Uh, and it's a very interesting story. Um, and the unit that was illustrated within is period correct. So it may not be exactly what Wayne designed, but it would be uh, very similar to one that was uh, developed at that time uh, using the materials that they had on hand. Um, now, the um, identification of that unit or, or the way that it appears is quite different from later units. So it's, uh, again, just a matter of historical accuracy where possible. Okay. Well, I let's let's delve a little bit more about the about the. Do I call it a book or what? What are you? What's the term you're using? <laughs> Graphic novel. Uh, it, it depends on the day. So uh, we tend to refer to it as a publication because we're not. It's sixty four pages, so it's bigger than a traditional magazine, mm-hmm. um, but it's shorter than a traditional book. So it's somewhere in the middle. So we say publication. <laughs> publication. That's deliciously vague. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned, and what, what are the dimensions of the pages? Do you know? Each page is five and a half inches by eight and a half inches. Okay. And, uh, and what's the price? It is $15. Okay. Excellent. So we've, we've hit on the basics here. And you mentioned that this is a publication. Is this planned to be a series of publications? It is. Uh, this is the first of a planned four. Oh, okay. And are those each coming out in the next four months? Are these the four months of, <laughs> of coin op to, to borrow a turn of phrase from a up and coming possible pinball manufacturer? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, no. So, uh, issue number one took us over two years to develop. And uh, it ballooned in size from 24 pages all the way up to 64, which it landed at today. Uh, and during that time, you know, we were thinking that we'd be able to bank two or three issues before we unveiled it. Um, but the development of this first issue took uh, such a long time that we really wanted to get it out into the public consciousness, get some feedback on it, uh, those kind of things. So what we're doing instead is taking the slow burn approach and uh, releasing one every two-ish years. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we won't be able to just drop all four at once and say, here you go. But um, we think we're giving the publication the time that it needs to develop and be exactly what it needs to be, uh, giving ourselves the creative freedom to, to do what's necessary to make it as accurate and lovely and wonderful as it possibly can be. Okay, well, I hope you both keep yourselves nice and healthy because Isaac Asimov <laughs> promised me the Foundation series and then he died and I didn't get to finish it. <laughs> and I, it's not that I'm bitter, but I'm annoyed. Maybe, well, maybe if you'd have been smart enough to, to pull a Robert Jordan and set up a ghostwriter for the last three books. Oh, you know, and I think kind of like Tolkien, I think his kids started working on something, but you know, it's just like the kids never live up to the... Live right. up to the hype, it seems. It's like, it must skip a generation. It's like, it's like, maybe they should have gone off and been, and been painters instead of authors. I don't, I don't know the solution there. Um, uh, so you wanted to go back, Nick, and talk a bit about Don Hooker and Wayne Nyans. And as you noted, Wayne Nyans is, uh, featured prominently in this first publication of Coin Off Carnival. Mm-hmm. So what, what did you want to say? What did you want to retract? <laughs> I don't wish to retract anything. Uh, I do stand by my statement. However, 
Um, I will say that Wayne also appreciated Don Hooker uh, for his engineering prowess. In fact, uh, Bally Bingos were shipped to Gottlieb uh, in their engineering department where they could be examined and the circuitry uh, appreciated. Let's just say so. I, I, you know, I, and I was aware of that. However, if I recall, Wayne has claimed he did not look at those games. He has claimed he did not play them. However, oh. he did. He did look at them. Yes. No fun allowed. Not at Gottlieb. Sad. <laughs> so. so, yeah. Um, but Don Hooker, in in my mind, is one of the greatest amusement device engineers that ever lived. Uh, it's. The stuff that he designed is incredible and quite fascinating. But uh, Wayne developed some of the most fun games that have ever been made. So it's, uh, you know, it's a toss-up there. But uh, as far as engineering prowess goes, I'd, I'd give the edge to Hooker. Okay. Well, in terms of this of this publication on Coin-Op Carnival, I believe I read that you're going to feature one pinball electromechanical game and one non-pinball but other em arcade type game is that accurate that's correct so every issue will have those features we'll have an interview with an em designer and we actually have all four uh of the planned series banked all the interviews ready. oh good because <laughs> i don't know how much longer <laughs> they're wondering all... about that oh well i mean i know there are, there are some i mean i imagine wayne's the oldest that you he you've interviewed but because there yeah. are some that were at the at the turn of that yeah. of that era, who were young at the time, so they're not they're not particularly "quote unquote" old at this point, but probably at retirement age. Um, okay, well, what uh, are you saying? Which which pinball game of Wayne's you put into this uh, publication? Yes, uh, it's Mystic Marvel, uh, which is a fascinating game uh, that was developed in the fifties. It is a double award game. Uh, have have either of you ever played one of those? I can't think that I have. I'm actually though I was a bit surprised that you didn't go with Queen of Hearts. Queen of Hearts is Wayne's favorite game. Um, yes, and, he, and where's he, the respect? <laughs> he loves that game for the design of the circuitry, and and that's uh, why I thought you would love it, Nick. I do love it. I do love it. Um, however, Mystic Marvel uh, fits more within my particular wheelhouse, uh, which is to say, as a double award game, you're able to bet an extra nickel uh, that you can complete the sequences and earn multiple replays. That sounds uh, like gambling, Nick. It sure does. Boy, it skirts the edge, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's... that's uh, where my interest lies, not in gambling, but um, because I'm Believe it or not, despite my love of bingos, I'm not a gambler. I I don't uh, enjoy the gambling aspect, but I do enjoy the gameplay aspect and being able to compete uh, against the machine. Let me qualify that. <laughs> so. Right. so so you're you're pretty big into single player EM experiences then, it, correct? Because they would give you a bigger challenge than than multiplayers due to the complexity that would be required to execute a multiplayer with save state. Which I know a little bit of that happened. To a degree, mm -hmm. but not to the not to what you could achieve with a single player experience. Correct. So let me ask you another another hard question here. Here we are. Right. Here you are sitting there, lovingly stroking the cover of your Queen Op Carnival, <laughs> waiting to bring it to Texas. Uh, why should someone who's not already into electromechanical games buy this? What 
why would they'll look and they'll be like, well, I don't know anything about EMs. I only like my DMD games, Nick. So why should I buy it from you? That's, that's the beauty. And that's, uh, precisely, um, one of the target audiences we made this for. Uh, really we made it for the layperson with some nods to, uh, hardcore pinheads in there. But, um, the layperson or the person who's not familiar with electromechanical games at all is going to get the most out of it. Um, one of the recurring segments in here is a segment on EM tech, where I write an article that uh, describes a feature within the game um, or a unit within the game and how it uh, works with the greater whole in order to make the game function. Uh, for this first issue, I talk about relays, and uh, you might think that that is a very simple and dry subject, but uh, I tried to make it as interesting and appealing as possible while describing how uh, a relay can function as part of the greater whole and how a relay can malfunction and how you might notice that such a thing is happening and how to fix it. Um, I talk about the various types of relays, and um, yeah, it's... It's a uh, publication that's geared towards uh, somebody just walking off the street and saying, oh, yeah, pinball. <laughs> okay. So well, that makes sense. And to be honest, any form of electromechanical relay is more interesting than relay racing, which is one of the most boring sports I've ever witnessed. <laughs> now, what if you have electromechanical relays that are racing each other? and you have That would probably condition? be awesome. Just like video game relays, like Mario relays, where they'll play Super Mario Brothers, and the next person comes up and plays Super Mario Brothers 2. That's interesting. The game's done quick. But running down. left and passing a baton, not so... Oh, it's just like watching race cars. It's just not interesting. Right. Not, you not don't want to watch people turn left? Just not in anyone's wheelhouse, pun intended. <laughs> uh Tony, so you have questions for for Nick about this this coin op carnival, these I, these tales, these mechanical tales. Most of the questions I have have been covered. Uh, I am interested that we get to see it uh, so soon with it being at TPF. Yeah. So, how many copies are available for purchase? Uh, our first run is eleven hundred copies. Um, not all eleven hundred will be with us at TPF. But we're going well, to no. do our best to. That would be heavy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, yeah. With that, um, with, with your drive. Yeah. So you have a booth, is what you're doing. You're going to have a booth. Yes. And is Ryan going to be with you at TPF? Yes. Because you have like he, a whole tour schedule planned. Uh, we do, yes. Um, so after TPF, uh, we're, TPF is the first stop in a 16 stop, 10 state tour for the book. Uh, we will be signing and giving seminars on the creation of the book. Um, Ryan and I will be doing planetarium presentations. There's one that Ryan's doing by himself and one that he's doing solo. And uh, in those planetarium presentations, it's uh, more of a look at Wayne's uh, living space. So uh, the place where he kept his beloved spirit of 76, which has an awesome story. Uh, and, his office where he keeps a lot of his pinball memorabilia. So uh, it's a fascinating look at the oldest living pinball designer and uh, where he lives and uh, how he uh, keeps track of all uh, the pinball things that he's been through in his life. Um, so uh, This is an aside, but Nick, who is your favorite pinball designer? Flipper, 
pinball designer. We'll, we'll stay out of the flipper with swam. That's a that's a tough one. I I have admiration for just about every EM designer out there for different reasons. Uh, Ted Zale for trying different things. You know, um, multi ball uh, featured prominently in some of his designs, uh, as well as uh, zipper flippers or uh, yeah, which wildly are, asymmetrical layouts. Wildly asymmetrical layouts. Yes. Um, Krinsky, uh, for some of the same reasons, his asymmetrical layouts uh, and reliance on drop targets to advance towards a goal are pretty spectacular. Uh, Nyans, I really love uh, symmetrical layout as well. Um, but the thing that I love most about Nyans and Mabs uh, are their reliance on multiple ways to win. Uh, I find that extremely compelling, um, having multiple sequences. Um, those are things that I appreciate quite a bit. So if we're talking modern designers, you know, that's a different story. Yeah, you but... basically said you hate all of them. So <laughs> we, can, no, we no. can continue to focus on EMs instead. Okay. Um, uh, you didn't mention Steve Kordek. Steve Kordek, I do appreciate. I feel that uh, some of his designs, uh, especially the ones that I tend to work on the most, <laughs> are a little more uh, workmanlike, meaning they're they're very straightforward and there's not a whole lot to shoot. Um, I do appreciate his designs, and I certainly appreciate uh, the ability to kind of rope in everybody with them. Uh, take a game like Grand Prix, for example. Uh, extremely popular these days. Some would um, say the most popular EM, broadly speaking, with today's audience of tournament players. Correct, yeah. And so I wind up on a lot of repair calls for Grand Prix. Grand Prix is not a well-designed game electrically. <laughs> mm. I would uh, I would say that, and um, most of that has to do with how Williams uh, pack their units in towards the end of the EM era. They just kind of stacked stuff on top of other stuff and didn't really give a thought to um, how people were going to be working on it. And it really shows uh, because there are common pain points in that game that destroy themselves, and it's generally the first thing that I check uh, when somebody tells me they're having trouble. So, um, But as far as the design goes, you have a near-symmetrical layout. And if you think about the shot patterns, there's not a whole lot there. Um, you've got some incidental shots, I would say, in drop targets. Uh, there's very few people I know who actually play to shoot the drop targets. Uh, it's mostly accidental rebounds off of pops. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then no, I, uh, you have you have two the, orbits. The game is simple. I would never pay more than five hundred dollars for a working Grand Prix. I just don't think there's enough to do on it. But mm -hmm. people love how those spinner sounds. Well, it is impressive, you know, uh, getting a, a good solid spin on those. Um, but there's plenty of games, and you know, uh, Cordek also was not shy about recycling uh, layouts either, um, as Gottlieb wasn't. You know, either. I'm not Some would say the, he wasn't shy about uh, borrowing ideas from other manufacturers, too. Well, you know, you never know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at Liberty Bell versus Grand Prix, uh, Liberty Bell is Williams's uh, take on the Bicentennial. And it's Grand Prix with one minor design change. Um, so it's, you know, not. Uh, it's not wholly unique. Yeah, yeah. And 
Grand Prix, while fun, and, and it certainly is a fun multiplayer game, is not a single-player experience that really holds my interest. Um, so, oh, And it is a multiplayer game, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there are multiplayer games which, which are quite fun, you know, even as a single-player experience. It's just the, the Grand Prix does not stick out as one of those for me. Well, in the spirit of the Coinop Carnival, let me uh, let me hit you with a few EM-related questions. Uh, I'll be as rapid as possible. Which is, we're gonna. I'm just. I'm diving deep into your conscious, not your subconscious. That's a Zach <laughs> Mini thing, and we're not doing that crap on this show. But, but okay. So, Nick, you're you're pretty knowledgeable on tech, both on solid state and electromechanical. Uh, and this is a little less tech, but it's in my mind a maintenance area question. So I'm going to pose it to you. What's the best way for me to clear code an EM? <laughs> What's the best way, Nick? <laughs> Using the way that the factory specified. <laughs> Nick, don't I? But I want my game better than new. Better, better than, than new. New. Nick, uh, is that really a thing? That's something that I question. I have heard people in the hobby, I don't know how knowledgeable they are, Nick, but they say better than new when they add <laughs> the word clear coat before it. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm not an advocate of two-part auto clear. You're not? Teams. I'm not. I know. It's shocking, right? <laughs> Sorry. I think I just blew out the mic here. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a bit of a purist. And by a bit, I mean, I'm, I'm really a purist. <laughs> okay, so, so my, my next question was going to be, what are the best LEDs to put in my EM? <laughs> the ones which... Uh, what are the are, purest ones, Nick? <laughs> the ones which you have illuminating the coin meter, where you don't see them at all. <laughs> but I don't want my back glass to flake, Nick. <laughs> it's highly unlikely that your back glass is going to flake in a home environment um, mm. any worse than it already is. That's so true. If you, Seal the back glass if you're concerned that it's triple thick. To. Yep. Yeah. Um, and if you're in a climate that fluctuates wildly, I would say don't triple thick it. Um, but yeah, I've heard that if it gets if it gets cold and warm, it can contract and then basically rip the art right off of that glass. Yeah, I mean the whole thing, uh, the ink that's on that's screened onto the glass is going to expand and contract at a different rate from the glass, and that's why you get flaking. And uh, sheets that peel off. Um, when you're adding another product on top of that, say a clear coat like triple thick, then uh, that's going to expand and contract at yet a third rate. So um, it's just something to be cognizant of uh, if you're going to be storing something in an unheated area because uh, it can go south. Okay. Uh, I'll ask a few opinion questions of you then. I'm going to keep it in the EM realm, don't worry, in the spirit of our Coinop Carnival discussion. the What would you say is the best bingo ever made for a fun factor? Ooh. Hmm. That's challenging. So <coughs> during pick, the... Pick the appropriate United game, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from a player's perspective, I would say that the most rewarding game is United Caravan. Uh, and that is because of the multiple carryover features and uh, ability to reposition the numbers physically on the bingo card. Um, from a, uh, a more cerebral perspective, I would say a game like Bally's Bounty is uh, one of the best ever made. Uh, Bounty provides 
traditional magic screen gameplay where the bingo card actually shifts to these different tetromino style sections and uh, you have to get three, four, or five in the entire section. They don't have to touch at the same time. Uh, on top of that, it's got a skill shot feature where uh, your first ball has to land in a particular hole, and then you get a set of replays uh, which are defined separately from your scores for three, four, and five in the regular game. Um, those are some of, of my favorites and, and some of the ones that I think are uh, the most complex and the most fun. Um, there are plenty of others, though, and that's that's the beauty of the multi-bingo, is being able to try them all. Uh, many of the 20-hole games where Don Hooker experimented with solid state in the 1960s are pretty fascinating, um, but they are kind of a, an entirely different animal. <laughs> hmm. because I didn't know he uh, experimented with solid state that early. Absolutely. And his experiments were actually very complex. If you look at some of the early amusement pinball designs with solid state, they were doing things like adding a sound card. Uh, big whoop, right? <laughs> because you've got uh, essentially three tones that you need to produce on a soundboard, uh, and you just take an input voltage, and then you shove something out to a speaker. Not a huge deal. Uh, these cards, and these were add-in cards that Don Hooker developed, were... Uh, able to keep track of game states, so they had rudimentary memory, as well as uh, transistors for switching various elements within the game. Um, pretty fascinating stuff for the early 1960s. Interesting, interesting. So I know you also have your, your multi-horse race game you've been working on. What's the best horse race that was ever made? So again, that's a that's a multi-layered question, Dennis. Um, it sounded like I asked a single-layer question. <laughs> I mean, that's how it sounded. Tony, what what did you think? It sounded pretty single-layer. Yeah, Nick, it was single-layer. <laughs> it was. Um, I thought I saw a ramp on there. Um, <laughs> the, well, it's returning right back to your flipper. So <laughs> shoot, shoot what I want you to shoot. <laughs> There's no flippers on a horse race game. I don't know what to do. Um, Take your one ball <laughs> and pick one. So yeah, the, the horse race games, uh, as, as Dennis side there, are one ball. So you get one shot to make your number. And uh, they're very, very challenging in that regard. And each of them has its own different rule set, uh, very similar to the bingo pinballs. Uh, but the engineering is quite different until Don Hooker joined them. And then he worked some of his magic and things became quite different. Uh, some of the later one balls are quite fascinating from a rules perspective. Um, United also produced one balls under their universal moniker. They had a gambling pinball uh, subsidiary, which then got folded in after the passage of the Johnson Act, uh, which outlawed the one balls. But from the Bally side, I'd say Bally's Turf King or uh, Sunshine Park are probably contenders for the best. Turf King has, again, multiple carryover features. It has a feature where if you light a particular feature on the back glass and land in a particular hole, you win up to 320 replays on one ball, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> um, Sunshine Park is exceptional because it allows for extra ball play. So a one ball where you can actually purchase a second, third, fourth, or fifth ball is... Uh, pretty powerful. 
Okay. Well, I know you don't have a multi for this, but I was curious, what would you say uh, electromechanically is the best flipperless novelty pinball game? Hmm. Well, most of the flipperless games could be set between novelty and replay mode. Um, so do you mean purely from a scoring standpoint in pure novelty mode? Well, I'd probably mean re- replay mode in your case, since you favor playing for replay. Okay. Um, well, that's that's a challenge for me to answer because I thought I made it easy by saying that whole replay (laughs) stuff, even though I don't believe in it. You don't believe in replays. (sighs) They're real, Dennis. They're real. No, as soon as the real knockers went away, they're just, boop. well, that was my impression of a stern boop. It's, it wasn't good. It was, it was a terrible (laughs) impression. It sounded more like the startup music of total nuclear annihilation. (laughs) The missing beep. But, um, Yeah, so many flipperless games I haven't gotten a chance to try. So most of the ones that I've played are ones that I've repaired myself. However, uh, Ryan Clater has one that I got a chance to play called Metro, and it's made by Ginkgo. Um, Metro has an extremely nuanced and complicated rule set, uh, and it's one of those games that can really turn your opinion around about how... uh, much agency you have within a flipperless game. Um, Many people walking up to a flipperless game or bingo will see that there are no flippers, stand back, plunge the balls with their arms folded, and then uh, be unimpressed that they haven't won. (laughs) Isn't that how you're supposed to do it? No, no. You're just supposed to use your brain to force the ball to go where it's supposed to. Now, if you use the force, that's good, but... um, (laughs) Really, the big deal is grabbing the sides of the cabinet and actually shoving it where you want it to go without tilting. Uh, it's it's a skill that takes a little while to develop. It's not something that you will immediately grok on your first plunge, but it's something which is intensely satisfying because you feel that you are actually controlling this machine in a way that flippers do not provide. Is Metro, was that game the inspiration for Metro 2033, the video game? I think so, yeah. Because, Um, I mean, it's a game of agency. No flippers mm -hmm. are in Metro 2033. Oh, obviously. And there are multiple ways to win. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Okay, interesting. Exactly the same. In your opinion, what's the best zipper flipper game? I know you agree with me that's not Fireball, that that game is grossly overrated, though fun. Yeah. Now, I haven't, again, I'll qualify this, I haven't played every Zipper Flipper game either, um, but I have played quite a few, and I would say most of them have interesting gimmicks uh, and layouts which require you to shoot similar things. Um, mushroom targets were a favorite of Ted Zale, uh, so you tend to find those on a lot of Zipper Flipper games. Um, between uh, Fireball and 4 million BC, I would give 4 million BC the edge. Um, and I would say that that is probably my favorite, uh, mostly for the very cool skill shot feature. Uh, yes, I, yeah, that's my favorite of the ones I've played is 4 million BC for the same reason. I really like that skill shot. It is yeah. fun. I kind of like the, the waterfall ball lock on the right, too. Mm-hmm. The volcano? Well. Or is that the left? No, no, you're, I think you're right. I think you're correct. Okay. I think it's Volcano. I don't remember the terms. I just call it like the ball lock thing and the ball kind of trickles out like a waterfall. <laughs> I shouldn't say waterfall because that always makes me think of Centigrade 37, one of the worst EMs ever made. 
<laughs> you don't like the bagatelle feature on the right side? I don't like bagatelle features, period, Nick. <gasps> really? Nope. Never no. met a good one. Have you have you played a bagatelle? I played Centigrade 37, Nick. <laughs> and I couldn't even stand that. Do you, are you thinking I might like full-fledged bagatelles? I, I have not, so I don't know. I can't comment you, on that. You might. But I'll, I'll might. drip it with disdain, like I kind of know already. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I see. I, I'm, I just find kind of, I'm just kind of imagining riding a 10-speed bicycle and, and hating shifting gears, and then you come along and say, well, but have you tried a 20-speed? <laughs> That's kind of where I felt this was starting to go. So I'm, I'm kind of, re- I'm re, unlike in a bagatelle, I'm controlling where the ball goes and moving us in another direction. The, uh, actually, uh, speaking of Ted Zale, Tony is a big fan of Ted Zale's Campus Queen, which I know there is an iteration that was Gator. a zipper flipper. Yes, Gator, but, but they use that layout two other times for non zipper flippers. And, uh, it is arguably a much better playing game without the zipper flippers. I- yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know if you've played any of that, that or Sheba. Was it it's Sheba? Sheba it, it's Campus Queen, Sheba, and uh, Gator. With I've the played Zippers, Campus yeah. Queen and Gator, and I've, I prefer Campus Queen to Gator. I've played Sheba, and I thought it was extremely enjoyable. Um, does Campus Queen have the same rule set with uh, uh, certain mushroom targets that you advance will award different gates? I I think the only difference between Sheba and Campus Queen is one's a two player and one's a four. Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So yes, the rules I I believe are identical, but I've never actually gotten a chance to. I've never seen a Sheba available to play. But I'm I'm pretty sure from what I've seen, looked up that from, that's I, from, from what, what I've is. read, the rules are the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, most uh, games that have the same layout and were produced in single, two, and four player uh, are they have pretty much the same rules. So. Well, getting, I know, sorry for the, uh, the aside on all sorts of games that are not available to be read about in Coinop Carnival, <laughs> but Coinop Carnival Electrifying Tales of Mechanical Contraptions will be on sale as of the Texas Pinball Festival. As I noted earlier, we do have a link in the show notes so you can go to the website and pick up your own copy if you're not going to be at Texas. And Nick and Ryan are generous enough to allow us to give a copy away to a listener. Yay! Absolutely. So, Nick, how do you want us to do the giveaway? Because it's your gift. Well, um, I'm I'm not sure how y- you might choose to run it, but uh, perhaps if somebody were to email you with the name of their favorite EM. Okay. Yeah. All right. That that sounds excellent. So you heard it here, folks. If you want to email us, email us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail dot com. You can just put in the subject my favorite EM. And then in the body, actually list what your favorite EM is. <laughs> if you list something that is not an EM, I am disqualifying your submission because you didn't follow the instructions. It's not a hard ask. There are only hundreds of them to choose from. It, I won't know if it's not your real favorite. And, and, and just remember that, that, that I'm sure Dennis will be good and he won't throw it out if you put Centigrade 37 in. No, you can put Centigrade in. Look. <laughs> I've been in this hobby for years now, and the one thing I have learned is that there is no shortage of bad taste. You can pick whatever you want, and then we'll probably uh, go to to random.org and we'll randomly we'll randomly pick it. one, and then we'll pass we'll contact the winner, we'll announce it here, and then uh, we'll get the address information to you, Nick and and Ryan, and then you guys can handle sending the copy out, so you don't have to pass it through us first. Sounds good. 
All right, so that's what we'll do. And hey, let's let's run another giveaway. Ooh. Uh, let's run an NVRAM giveaway while we're at it. Ooh. So my dad is a retired electrical engineer, and he likes to work on pinball projects too. And his project, since I got him one of those uh, hot air rework kits for, for soldering stuff, was, oh, look, it's so much easier to work on chips now. So he's now building NVRAM chips in his spare time. Huh. Because he looked at them online, he's like, I don't know why, yeah, I'm retired, and I also don't know why they're charging this much money for these cheap parts. So, he has started to put together his own little NVRAM kits. And so he's like, but what's he going to do with them? I already have NVRAM in pretty much all of my games that could support it. So <laughs> he's like, well, why don't you give them away on your show? And it's like, okay. So let's, let's give away one. Um, and the way we'll do it is you email us again, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com and say, my favorite solid state game. <laughs> And then, and then list a solid state game in the body. If you list an EM game, I'm disqualifying you. <laughs> Notice how dangerous this is. Everyone could end up being disqualified, Nick. That's what I like about this game. Dangerous. It's possible for everyone to lose. Just living dangerously. That's right. And then uh, you don't have to list the game. You put the chip in. When, and we'll do the random.org thing. And then we'll select a winner on the next show. And so you know, uh, what, what I have at my disposal is you can either have a 6116 chip, a 6264 chip, or a 65256 chip. I don't have any 5150s. He has not gotten around to making those yet. So I have my little cheat sheet. So, cause I don't know what any of those codes mean. Uh, the 6264s are used in a lot of the White Star and early Daddy East games. The 6116 are the Bally 6803s. And a lot of the Williams systems 11s and all the system nines are covered with that. And the 65256 is, that's the one, ch- the only game that requires that is Sharky Shootout. Really? It's that weird, huge RAM. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I already had one of those, <laughs> but it also works in a lot of the Williams WPC games. Uh, there's a jumper and you can choose yeah. between the 6264 or the 62256. I don't care which one it is. I will on my, on my contest, the solid state contest, this is limited to us only. Cause I ain't paying $30 to ship it to Australia. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> so, okay. Well, those are the, that's the news. That's the pinball news. Thanks Yay! so much for coming on and telling us about the, the book, Nick, or excuse me, the publication, Nick, <laughs> can I call um, you Nick? I've only done it 32 times so far. <laughs> no, actually that's not I, my name. Um, uh, yeah, you, I, you can I know, but I, that's why I, I do is to, to, to assert the position of power that I'm trying to wield by being the host. This um, isn't like all the, 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 the weird TV shows where everybody calls everyone by their last name and nobody. Have you, I've never known anyone in real life who behaves like that. I never have either. I've always wondered about it. It's just like it, but, and I, th- I think like I'm, maybe I'm wrong and I'm the crazy one, but then what's the deal with movies when they, the other person hangs up on the phone and then a busy signal plays? <laughs> I've never had that happen either. Yeah. So am I in the matrix or is everyone else? Hollywood is the matrix. That's, we, uh, everything is the matrix. If you work with computers, it, it becomes even more uh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the EM guy, work with computers as your day job. Yes. Mm. Yes. And, that, uh, in a way, that makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> Hacking scenes in movies uh, disturb me greatly. Oh, I, I love that movie, Hackers. I never knew <laughs> hacking was so visual. Everybody's no, see, favorite password, God. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> my, my favorite. You know. 
My favorite part like, is when you see it when they decide for some reason they have to hack faster so two people use the same keyboard. That's, <laughs> my That's how it works. <laughs> I just really liked Hackers because it actually featured prominently the Cookie Monster virus, a virus that I believe was on the Apple IIe, but was now a serious threat to PCs around the world. <laughs> and mainframes. I mean, it's everywhere, really. <laughs> oh, thanks uh, for ruining my joy, Nick. Dennis, so, may I uh, add a couple things about the publication? You may add whatever you want. All right. Uh, well, first of all, uh, thanks for listening to the spiel here. But uh, we'll be at Texas Pinball Festival March 22nd through 24th, 2019. Uh, in our booth, we will have both Coin-Op Carnival, the publication. We'll have lapel pins and Ooh. T-shirts. Uh, so should you need need to clothe yourself completely head to toe in coin op carnival merch uh it will be there for you uh aside from that as uh dennis and tony were mentioning earlier the multi bingo will be there and uh everybody is welcome to give it a, a shot and uh learn the rules of some of these complex games um but uh we are having a seminar on friday evening uh at 8 p.m so that's march 22nd and Gordon Hassey, noted pinball historian, will be there to contextualize Coin-Op Carnival in the pantheon of uh, pinball publications which have come before. And uh, we will be talking about the creation of Coin-Op Carnival and uh, some diving more in-depth with uh, how we came to this uh, conclusion that we needed to make a print publication in 2019 <laughs> and uh, things of that nature. Um, and as I mentioned, that's the kickoff for the tour. Uh, however, uh, at coinopcarnival.com, you'll be able to purchase any of the merch that I mentioned before. And we do offer international shipping. So Australians are welcome to participate in the coin op carnival giveaway. Yeah. Um, it's okay there. <laughs> it's okay there. Right. Yeah. Um, Not on my solid state one though. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been made clear. That's been made clear. And, Thank you, by the way, for clarifying the uh, RAM chips that it worked with, because that was going to be my question, is which which actual chips does it use? Um, but yeah, so getting back to Coin-Op Carnival, it, we have also procured distribution through Pinball Life and Pinball Resource. Uh, so if you don't trust us for whatever reason, you can always go to your favorite pinball supplier and get it there. Um, the cover price is the same, $15, uh, but... You know, you can bundle in your shipping with your parts order. Um, so that might be more appealing for some. Uh, they will not carry lapel pins and T-shirts, uh, at least at this juncture, but uh, they will be carrying the books. And a Canadian collector uh, named Caitlin Pascal is has purchased uh, many copies for distribution up in Canada uh, at the Hawkesbury Pinball Flea Fair and the Ottawa Pinball Game Room Show. Uh, and we are in talks with others for distribution as well, hopefully um, internationally. Uh, but we'll find out. Because Canada isn't international. Not international enough. It's America's hat. <laughs> America's hat. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Gordon, he had a fairly lengthy article on Wayne in the latest Pinball Magazine, if I recall. Yes, and uh, Gordon was also... Uh, at Wayne's 100th birthday party, uh, which both Ryan and I attended as well. Uh, so it'll be a mini reunion. Uh, Aww. Should be good. Awesome. I, I, I have, a, before we move on to more fun stuff, I have a very serious question. Mm -hmm. When do you sleep? 
I mean, between everything and from listening on your, you know, your two other podcasts and the games you play and the work you do and the side projects you do and, and, and family and everything else, do you actually sleep or were you those one of those magic people who just meditates for like 20 minutes a day and then they're good for another 24 hours? I wish I could say that I was one of those people <laughs> because I feel like I would get even more done. Um, but I... I do work on a lot of projects, and really my mantra is if I can work on something for 15 to 30 minutes a day, you know, I feel like I've accomplished something. So I try with all of my projects to slot them into that 15-minute-a-day um, workspace, and that's where Gaming on 10 originated. It was Gaming on 10 minutes a week because neither Don nor I really have a lot of time to play video games. But uh, I've been but trying you have to- plenty of time to talk about them. <laughs> yes. more more than 10 minutes a week to talk about them um so yep awesome Uh, i I do in fact sleep though yeah i i was wondering because i mean i always feel like i'm super busy all the time and people know from my intros i'm always i've always got stuff going on and then i hear you talk about it i'm like well apparently i'm slacking yeah no when i listen and i Listening to both of Nick's shows, I always just come away thinking, why am I listening to these? I just end up feeling like a loser. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> We're just saying you're an inspiration to us all, Nick. That's good we could, the, good. the moral is we could all do better. We could all be like you. <laughs> well, as long as you appreciate a good gobble hole, uh, that'll get you far. No, we're not. Uh, you know, you might make the multi, you might make the multi gobble. I'm just gonna leave that one alone. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. This is a family-friendly show. Well, so speaking of family-friendly, we'll shift it. Uh, what's that sound? Oh, I, I hear a thumping bass, maybe. Oh, what's? Oh, look, we're in 20 questions corner. So, Nick, we're going to play 20 questions with you. Okay. You might not be familiar with the game. It's pretty much like any version of 20 questions you've ever heard of, though. I am going to... It's going to be a whole 20. Okay. It's it's going to be about a flipper pinball machine. Mm. So we'll have my to, strong suit. Yes. <laughs> yes. What's your what you know? What you're known for? Uh you for your first 15 questions, you can ask a series of yes or no questions. I I will clarify this is a game you have played. I Ooh, will clarify okay. that. It is a game you have played. Uh that's also one of the conditions we put on. It's always a flipper pinball, and it's always a game that the person has played, even if they only got half a ball in on it, like Laser War for Tony. Right. And I still didn't play. It. We were there last night. Yes, yeah, I, I did. I set a new high score. I know, but you were. I was like, I was like, I should go play that. But I was like, what was I doing? I think I was. You were watching that. Into the Spider. Oh, that's right. I was watching Spider Verse. Yeah. And so, the first fifteen questions, uh, you are not to use any internet lookup sources, just your own mind. But as of question 16, you may go to IPDB, Penside, whatever online resource to help you sort of sort through things based off of the other questions you already asked. Make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So Tony doesn't fail every time. It's a, we want people to be, we are supportive about people being winners. We don't expect people to have 15 minutes a day to go and memorize IPDB. So <laughs> this is what we do to, to qualify it. But I actually already have the game picked out. Tony knows which game I've picked for you. And you may ask your first question whenever you are set. And I will keep count for you. Is it electromechanical? Yes. Uh, was it... Mm, let's, let's change that. Is it multiplayer? No. 
Mm, okay. Uh, was it made in the 1950s? No. 1960s? Yes. Was it manufactured by Gottlieb? Yes. That's question five. Is it? Hmm. Let's see. How to refer to this. Okay. Um, does it have four pop bumpers? Yes. Was it designed by Wayne Nyans? No. Does it have four separate sequences? I don't know the answer to that question, so I'll have to have you ask a different question. Okay. <clears throat> does it have four kickout holes where it kicks from one to another? Yes. Is it sing-along? Yes. Good job. Question nine. Wow, I was really fast. I do my best. That's uh, that's challenging being on the hot seat there. Yeah, no, you did very, very good. Got it before question 10. Yeah, so for folks that are listening along, it's a sing-along, a Gottlieb 1967 game. It was designed by Ed Krinsky, art by Art Steinholm, or Stenholm. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Probably Sten. Stenholm. Stenholm. Yep. So, yes, uh, it's a two-flipper game, four pop bumpers, exactly four, uh, two slingshots. It's got five stand-up targets. It's got a roll-under. It also has, and I've played this as well, uh, it's really cool. It's a four-in-line kick-out holes. And if you get it in the far left one, it will actually sequence kicking to the right over and all the way to the last hole, and then it mm -hmm. drops out. And that yeah, relates really. to how you score your points, because you're building up the values of those holes. Actually, one of our area competitive players, Carrie Wing, who is a big EM fan, has this game, and I, I played it at her house when she was hosting a tournament. It is a single-player game, mm -hmm. um, and that's about all I can think of. I, I picked it because Nick actually said it was one of his favorite wedgeheads back on episode 379 of For Amusement Only. <laughs> that long ago? Yes, and that's how I knew you played it, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, actually it was. Go, go, I went to your podcast page and I just was like, all right, let's jump pages ahead back in time. And now let's start reading show notes and see him <laughs> confirm a flipper pinball game he's playing. And I was like, oh, and, and I saw it and I was like, oh, I know that game. So very good job, Nick. You know, once you said it was 60s, I thought it might be sing-along, but I thought it would be premature to ask. Yeah, the game I think that was a very fair fair game for me to pick, too. I, I, I got the impression you knew it very well. Yeah. Sometimes I'm a little more tricky with Tony. Sometimes I pick things that are fairly obvious. It just depends depends on my mood. But I felt after all of my cruel questions uh, on EMs <laughs> regarding during our coin-op carnival discussion that you deserved you deserved a fair shot of a, of a game... I of a of a mechanical style that you really favored, so I appreciate that. Am I not merciful? <laughs> Today it seems. Yeah. <laughs> well, now. Yes. Well, the day's young. Well, Lord Commodus <laughs> is tired of speaking, so all right, we'll turn it over, over to Maximus here. Go into video games. I'm going to start with just a little bit of news, and then we'll have just a little general chat. Uh, first, little bit of news I want to talk about is what is to me no surprise, but apparently is to some people. Uh, Activision Blizzard put out their annual 10K filing with the SEC last week, and apparently uh, they had to warn investors that the job cuts could hurt its business. Because <laughs> apparently having the greatest year you've ever had and using that as the reason to fire 8% of your workforce makes, you know, 
damages employee morale and causes you to have issues with hiring and retaining skilled employees. Who would have known that being awesome and great me and firing everybody because of it will cause morale issues? I'm in shock. Uh, I've never... This is this comes from someone who's basically spent their entire adult working life working on governmental and nonprofit groups, not for-profit companies that somehow identified this as a viable proper strategy. I mean, yeah, but I just, I yeah, who who would have thought? Indeed, it's like, hey, look, we did everything we were supposed to do, and we had the best year ever, and our reward is punishment. I just don't understand. Right? It. Yeah, no, it, it, it it's. Again, it's, it wasn't a surprise to me that they've got a hurt. I mean, injuries to employee morale. I mean, of course you do. When they're sitting here telling you, oh, this was great. We were awesome. You're all fired anyway. Well, the <laughs> remaining skilled talent that's left is probably going to want to jump ship. I would if I were them. I've heard mm-hmm. that I've, there have been a fair I mean, number of... I'd even think about this. going to EA. That's how bad this looks. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh words. That's yeah. right. Put me on Madden. I don't care. It's safe. Madden <laughs> it will keep me safe. Year. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, and, and and this is something that I I don't have set aside for today. I'm putting together for a future episode is looking at is uh, just how rough the actual developer community is because of uh, knowing how long you'll have a job and where you'll be and, and how often companies change or even if you go so far as just a company changes the engine that they're working on typically instead of retraining they just fire everybody and hire new people who are trained in the new engine and stuff like that so it's got a real issue with maintaining long-term productivity at a location nick you said you work in computers you're not a game programmer are you no no okay i work in high-risk insurance Hmm. Isn't all insurance high risk? <laughs> Some is riskier than others, as I learned. <laughs> high risk insurance. So is that like a property casualty type insurance? Yes. Okay. I actually am a health and uh, life insurance agent. Really? I don't. I don't practice. I just have the license for fun. Actually, I used, I used to need. I used to. Need, we we were doing years ago. We had a work. So fun. Yeah, so, so actually, no. I'm dropping it now. Now that I took my new job, I'm like, ah, yes. I don't need to keep doing that continuing education. <laughs> no, we had a work project years ago where we were planning to get some commission pay for putting together a whole insurance trust program for county government, and it failed. Not my fault. Not my fault. But you still had to go get the. Well, yeah, because the only people that are allowed to earn commission are agents. Right, and right. so I actually have a con- I've given my notice, but I have a contract with that that benefits trust program saying that if I earn any commission, they get one hundred percent of it. And that was I got a pay raise for doing that. So and then, and then right. we didn't get any commissions. So, so oops, oops. Well, oh well, that was part of it. Uh, the other quick little bit of news that I was going to talk about was um, Anthem. Bioware <laughs> has Anthem. been. Pimping Anthem for what two years now? Sure, it's supposed to be the Destiny killer. It, it is. Is Destiny to be the dead Destiny yet? Killer. No. Oh, Nick, are you still playing Destiny? <laughs> oh yeah, you know tons me. of Destiny. Destiny constantly. Fifteen minutes a day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so even more than your normal ten. Yeah. <laughs> so well, his new project <laughs> is to find the fun in that game. I wish you luck. 
<laughs> I've never played Destiny. I played the demo and didn't like it. So yeah, no, I, I have it that I got it for free when they offered it for free, and guess what? I've still not played it. Mm. It's not. It wasn't <laughs> worth the free. Um, well, Anthem launched and crashed. Literally, it was hard crashing PS4s. Mm. I heard that Sony was even allowing people who bought it digitally to get a full refund, no questions asked, which is very atypical. Especially for yeah. being that wow. early in. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, there were some initial reports that have, that were not confirmed that it was bricking machines. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 what the investigations showed that none of the machines were bricked, but several of them required full on hard resets. Yeah, I, I did hear about out. that. I did hear about that. So, uh, but, and they finally found some of the problems because apparently it wasn't one problem causing it. There were several problems that would interact with oh, causing that it. That always makes troubleshooting so difficult. So they have a patch coming for it on the 12th, which will be what, Tuesday? Um, so even though they've already patched the game for other, for loot issues, uh, they're just now getting around to patching the game to make it playable for PS4 players. And in addition to that issue, they also have another issue where it's a, a yet another coding problem. Uh, the game, you, the gun you start the game with is the most powerful gun in the game because mm, the nice. damage tables don't work. For the Anthem guns. Oh. So you can put out higher consistent continuous damage with the beginning gun than anything else in the game. Well, that'll save you a lot of exploration in your loot loot hunter game. (laughs) It's definitely going to make it a lot easier to hunt your loot. And as if all of that wasn't bad enough, the general thing I've heard is it's not overly fun. It has things that are really fun that are really good. But it doesn't have the type of things that get you to keep playing a game that's designed for you to play it all the time. For it being an <laughs> online multiplayer thing, it doesn't have that draw. Well, and that was, I mean, that was where the early reports on Destiny 2 right. when it came out was, oh, well, there's just really not enough. So I think all of this stuff is going to be fixable and we'll see how it turns out because the reports of like the, the suit and the way the suits work and this and that, all that stuff is supposed to be like fun. It's just, it's wrapped in a package that's overall not. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. In this day and age, games that crash and burn tend to come back up pretty well. uh, At least somewhat well. So we'll see what ends up happening there. So now, with those last two little bits of news, (laughs) Nick, I know you love uh, 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 DDR. Mm-hmm. And you love RPGs. Mm-hmm. Would you say RPGs are your favorite video game style? Uh, point and click adventure and RPG are pretty much neck and neck. All right. So your dislike of modern pinball is entirely <laughs> based around the fact that the, the the rules and the games and everything are too complicated. Yes. How do you work that with liking RPGs, which are probably the most complicated of the video games? Uh, but they might seem complicated at first glance, but really, um, it's just a matter of pressing X <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, so 
most of the combat systems are really not that difficult in RPGs. Um, most are designed so that you can basically breeze through it with a single button press if you choose to do that. Um, you can also, you know, go hog wild and uh, cast a bunch of magic spells or do whatever, but most of the time you can get through an RPG by doing nothing other than hitting the continue button. Um, so for me, they are a good way to play a game that has a more immersive story than, say, a Mario game. Um, and uh, they take a long period of time, but you always feel like you're progressing. So going back to my 15 minutes a day thing there, or 10 minutes a day, um, or however many minutes I'm able to allocate. It's 10 minutes for games, 15 minutes for your projects. There we go, yeah. It's 35 um, minutes a day. <laughs> Except that's 25, because I can't do math. 25. And then <laughs> All right, well, that's getting edited there. out. <laughs> Rule number three is Dennis now, doesn't I look know. like an idiot on his own show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so uh, even within that time frame, you're gaining experience, and then you can save the game, and you feel like you've done something, even if you really have done absolutely nothing to progress the story. So uh, that's what I enjoy about RPGs. Um, a platforming game, you know, by the time I fire it up, uh, it may be uh, that I need to take it back down again. Like your experience with Horizon Zero Dawn, not atypical for me, where, you know, family considerations make it, you know, maybe one of my kids is sick and, you know, I need to deal with them. Uh, and my wife's already asleep. So, um, you know, I just shut the game off. So it's not uh, that that happens. And. And that's why uh, I RPG. tend to play games that have that let me just walk away from them. So turn-based games yes. and RPGs that you can just walk away from, and anything that's not multiplayer. Exactly. Nick, have you played Dark Souls? I have uh, played the first five minutes or so and gotten to the first campfire and then shut it off. Okay. But I, I will one day. It's on the list. It, Don't rush it. Very long. <laughs> I don't know. I was. I was just. I was going to ask him his opinion of it because I actually was really disappointed with it. I thought it was almost poorly programmed, bad. But <laughs> well, enemies clipping through walls, they fall off cliffs. You fall. I mean, it's hard, but in a way, it's almost hard because I felt like the programming was a little lazy, and they just said, "Oh well, it's just it's hard. It's Dark Souls." And it's I Dark Souls hard. And I went and I got all my achievements, so people wouldn't think I was just a wimp about it <laughs> to prove that I could do it. But I, I loved the aesthetic. I love, and it's a very, like, if you want a min max, that is a min max dream in terms of all the gear and everything. And I liked those elements and I liked the dark, the motif and how they integrate the map and the sound. It was, but the gameplay and reclearing trash to die to a boss for five, I didn't mind dying to a boss in five seconds. I cared about having to prove that I could reclear the trash for 30 minutes repeatedly just to learn. If you were going to do that, you, you would have still been playing MMOs. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and even MMOs usually, I mean, at least then you still got a few number of tries before your two hours are up or, or whatever. It kind of reminded me of the end of Final Fantasy VII, the 45 minute walk it was from the safe to <laughs> Sephiroth. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers for a game that came Spoilers. Sephiroth is the last boss. Sephiroth. <laughs> still some of the best, one of the best soundtracks out there. Mm-hmm. One of the best mm-hmm. Final Fantasies still. Sure ain't 15. <laughs> now you're, you more favor JRPGs sure. though, Nick, right? Versus Western. Uh, I love them both. Um, I grew up on 
Western and JRPGs. They were both introduced to me at about the same time. And, uh, you know, I started out with Wasteland and uh, Dragon Quest and really haven't looked back. Okay. And you're still playing Wasteland and Dragon Quest, I would assume. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so you're a big Elder Scrolls fan? Yes. And you also like the Persona series? Absolutely, yep. Okay, interesting. So let's let, let's go ahead. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna throw something at you real quick here with no prep time, mm, like this whole show was. <laughs> like everything on the show was yes, everything. We're just we're, we're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks here. So, what are your all time favorite five JRPGs? Ooh. Is That's he allowed crazy. any order? Or does any he have order. To write? Okay. It doesn't have to be one through five. I, I, I hate doing the all oh, my fa- five favorite in the correct order because that makes it take nine times longer. Because, you know, <laughs> you get games that's like, well, this game, I like this system, and I like this, and I like that. And yeah. No, no, let's not. We won't go that crazy. Just any order. Uh, do I need to specify, can I specify series, or do I need to specify an individual game? Whichever you're more comfortable with. Because wow, uh, you're with real J- nice. To I'm going to be real nice wow. because JRPGs have the fact that I mean, I mean, it's like yeah, Final Fantasy. I can cover 15 games with Final Fantasy, <laughs> right? Yeah, but th- some of them are turds. Several of true. them are turds. Well, it's your game, Tony. So you decided <laughs> series are okay, Nick. I guess series are okay. I guess let, you let, get let, it let, easy. Let you go with series. That's fine. I'll be the nice guy. Dennis okay. was the mean one already. <laughs> so um, I would say. Persona, Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy. Those are the ones that come to the top of mind. Um, beyond that, uh, I've got to think for a minute. Might have to use the internet here and think a little harder. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think of what other big JRPG series. Series, yeah. That, the Tale series. Oh, like Vesperia oh. and all that, yeah. yeah. That's a good uh, point. Star Ocean. Star Ocean. Star Ocean is good, uh, some of them. And what was the the, um, the, the mother mother? Here's Earth oh, yes, the mother series yeah. is definitely on the list. Um, Baton Kaitos, I thought was a fantastic RPG. Uh, the first one, not uh, Origins. I, I hadn't played much of Origins actually, but um, so that might be great too. But I really enjoyed Baton Kaitos on the GameCube. So I don't think I ever played that one. No, I hadn't even heard of I it. I didn't have a, I didn't have a GameCube. So well, it's a collectible card game JRPG where the cards only matter in the battle system, and um, it's it's pretty impressive and very fast paced. Uh, so again, if you're one of those people that just presses A to continue, you can still get through. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a a goodly amount of strategy involved in the battle system, and uh, you can uh, make it more complex if you choose to. So, um, there's there's quite a few that I've played, and quite a few that I enjoy. So this is uh, turning out to be a tough question. But uh, the Chrono series, you know, I enjoyed uh, those. Legend of Dragoon on the original PlayStation. Uh, I can't believe I forgot about the Chrono series. Well, because everyone thinks of Chrono Trigger, but that's the only one I've played. I never played anything else in the series. Oh, uh, Chrono Cross, I think, is a bit of an unsung gem, um, or at least a a diamond in the rough, maybe. But uh, it's it's very interesting. Uh, The Suikoden series, uh, I've only dabbled in that, um, but those are interesting. And um, 
Yeah, uh, Mario and Luigi, the uh, Paper Mario series, and Mario and Luigi series as a continuation. I enjoy those quite a bit. What's the uh, worst mainline Mario game? Mainline Mario. Uh, so do you count things like Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island? No. Yeah, okay. that would be That's a good game. But... <laughs> right. We want bad games. The answer is Sunshine, so just say it. Uh, I actually love Sunshine. Oh my god, you're one of those. I oh, I knew it. I knew it. Well, the did you see where stages. he called me out on uh, when when I said I'd never seen, I'd never even seen or played any of the Luigi's Mansion games? Yeah, I haven't either. But in my defense, I've also not played Sunshine, and I'm just being really judgmental. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, the cool thing about Sunshine, you know, the main deal with it is you have this water pack mechanic where you can shoot stuff. Um, but the best parts of the game are the challenge stages where you lose the water pack and you have to do very complex platforming in a 3D space and you're floating in space. So one wrong move and you fall to your death. Uh, it's quite enjoyable and you feel like a platforming god if you're able to succeed. So, mm. Have you played Super Meat Boy? I have, yeah. Yeah, I liked uh, that one. That was very frustrating. I did get through, I did save Bandage Girl, but I didn't do any of the... I started the first one of the Cotton Alley, Cotton Candy Alley, or whatever it's called. I was like, uh, no. We've, reached the, we've reached the end of my ability. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it anymore. That was like at least five years ago. I still had some dexterity. Yeah, no, it's it's hard. It's, it's definitely hard. Mm-hmm. All right, and you said that you tie your favorite systems as RPGs and point and click games. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend, and this is pretending, that I've never played a point and click game and I'm going to play a single point and click game. What is the best point and click game for me to play as my first ever point and click game? Quest for Glory 1 VGA remake. I was going to write that on my sheet and fold it up so you'd know what I thought he was going to say. <laughs> I am nothing if not predictable. Um, it's very good. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. Quest for Glory 1, the v- and I've only played the VGA remake version. Uh, I the, think that's the version I played. Probably. I, only, I think that's the only Quest for Glory I've played. Oh, the they're all good. They're amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've mean, i played like, 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 like Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle. I've played all those. I've played mm. a lot of point and clicks, but of the Quest for Glories, I think I only ever played the one. Yeah, I the, think the, my the f- my first game was uh, Quest for Glory 2, Trial by Fire, the one that takes place in Arabia. And then mm-hmm. I went back and played the first Quest for Glory, then played Quest for Glory 2, and actually finished it. Then 3, which I think took place in a jungle nation, if I'm remembering in, correctly. In the African Savannah. In the African Savannah. And then, the, the and, then of a and then the fourth one, I believe, was sort of a Transylvania type place. Yes. And that's the last one I really remember much of. Romania. And then the fifth one takes place in Greece. Okay. I have played that one too. I remember the, uh, the art. I think most, cause I think when it came to, I, I played like all of the King's Quest games. Mm hmm. Those and, are fantastic too. I have not played all of those. All of the, uh, uh, and you know, like Sam and Max and Full Throttle <laughs> and all of that. I played all the space quests. Oh, definitely all the space quests. <laughs> those are great. Was it four was my favorite? The Time Rippers. Oh, yeah. That one was, I, I only had a, Nick as a computer guy will totally appreciate this. <laughs> I only had an 8086 computer. Or mm-hmm. technically it was an 8088, yeah. but 
I was going to say 8086 is pretty rare. Yeah. So the problem was Time Rippers bare minimums wanted a 286, but Mm -hmm. I got it to play, (laughs) but I couldn't get past the very early challenge where you had to use the, the floor polisher and like mop the symbol of the, on the floor. I would always, I would always fail to get it done in time. And I got so mad. I was so angry because I was like, I'm practicing this. I have like this really efficient route and I just couldn't do it. I went over to a friend's house who had a 386 and I was like, this is a joke. This was so easy. You didn't have to be precise. Like I was, I gave you plenty of time, but my was running so slow and the, but the game clock wasn't slowing down. So it just was like, nope, you're, you suck at this. Yeah. No, I had plenty of games like that where it would be like, well, you know what? If I turn the sound off and I do this and I do that, it'll run <laughs> on my machine even though it's not supposed to. Yeah. I, I, sounds like we all have a similar experience there. <laughs> um, but one of the interesting things about those early uh, point-and-click adventure games is a lot of those timed systems are actually timed to the clock speed of the development computers that they used. Um, so it's a situation where you run it on a slower computer and you have exactly that problem. Uh, if you run it on a faster computer, you have the opposite problem. <laughs> where, uh, the time segment progresses so quickly you can never complete it. Um, so, but I actually have, I think I have the Sierra collection on steam. So I went oh, back yeah. and you can get those and mm-hmm. I have so many things. I might, I, I, you got, probably have it, but I, I've got Mega Man. I've got the Mega Man Legacy yeah. item collection on on Steam, and I was like, "Oh man, I haven't played Mega Man in forever. Let's play Mega Man." Oh, I suck. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, those are hard. You'll be able to get through Quest for Glory. <laughs> just don't just don't be the thief guy and fight with your dagger unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> those games are so well crafted. I am in awe of them even today. So when you work on your on your P3 project, you're going to have to call the Coles up. Get them to bless your work. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be awesome. Um, t- tell them that the p- tell them that the little crawl crawl on the screen in between games can promote the next Hero U game. There we go. In exchange. There you go. Problem solved. I still yeah. haven't played that. Hero U. Yeah. <laughs> Nick probably hates it. No, it's it's fantastic. It's great. Oh, that was so close. Too. Yeah. <laughs> If only I had known, he would have loved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you guys were talking about that, it was uh, I put it on my list of things to get, and it just I, I never did. I think it's in my wish list. I think mm. I can't remember. Uh, it's worthwhile. Yeah, you know, it's definitely one of those games that that is. I have so many games that are like this game seems interesting. Let's <laughs> play it eventually, maybe someday. I own so many of those games. That's see, that's the the trap for like modern gaming compared to when we were younger. Is I don't have the time anymore. No. But I own all the games no. I want to play. Yeah, I still have <laughs> met the new Metro game wrapped up on my shelf. Yeah, I, I, I have stuff I got for Christmas. I've installed all of it on my PS4, and I've played the Horizon Zero Dawn, mm. and I played a little bit of Soul Calibur mm. because it's always just like I need to play. I've got all these games I want to play and it's just like, I don't have time. Nope. So It's hard. And here, you could have been playing, but we're recording a podcast. I would have been <laughs> cleaning or something. I don't know. There's some... I actually walked away in the middle of working on laundry because it's like, I gotta go report, record the podcast. 
I'll finish laundry later. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's that, that that that's the joy of being an adult. Mm, yes, <laughs> true. Well, you just have to make laundry and do a game. There you go. What I would do is the Nick approach and only dedicate ten or fifteen minutes to laundry. <laughs> oh, that won't work very well. Not with nope. Well, you just gotta say, I'm, nope. We're past the time. <laughs> I'm compartmentalizing this. See, and we've actually, in in my house, we've actually separated it to the point where the girls, especially the oldest, does her own laundry. Mm-hmm. And my wife handles most everything else, except for my laundry. I do all of my own laundry. Mm-hmm. Right. So, And how does this all work out if they leave wet clothes in the dryer and don't turn it on? Rage. Okay. It works out with rage. Hmm. I had a feeling that would have happened with yeah. children. Wow, it's almost like we had that conversation. No, before. I'm pretty sure we never have discussed it. <laughs> and we went into it. It's like, do some laundry. Open the dryer. There's soaking wet clothes in here. Well, nobody's done laundry <laughs> since Tuesday, and it's Sunday. Mm. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. No, it was. Let's see if we can recover any of these clothes, or if it's time to buy a new wardrobe. Yay, wardrobe <laughs> shopping. So, well, we reached the end of the show. Thank you, Nick, for coming on yes, and being you. our guest, our first guest of 2019. Maybe well, our only guest of 2019, the way it's going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything well, you want to plug here at the end? End on a high note. That's what I always say. And um, yeah, I uh, would just encourage all of your listeners to go to coinopcarnival.com and uh, check out the site and see if it's something that you're interested in, as I think it will be for pretty much anybody who has an interest in video games or pinball or uh, how things are constructed or the people that made the games and um, pick up a, pick up a book while you're there and the store will open March 22nd at the Texas pinball festival. And I look forward to meeting you both in person there uh, at Texas pinball festival. So thanks again for having me on guys. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, sorry that we couldn't accommodate Ryan. I'm, I'm sure he will be pleased with how well you dealt with, us or me and my my tricksy snarky questions we'll we'll see if any of your we'll see if any other of your book tour questions cut rise to the the sheer level of of what i tried to come up with uh also if our listeners want to hear more of nick i in the show notes we'll have links to for amusement only the em and bingo pinball podcast and gaming on 10 minutes a week which he hosts along with don former host of the pinball podcast and former host of the link cable podcast. That's one of the podcasts that I still listen to pretty religious. Which one? Uh, gaming on 10. Oh, gaming on 10. Okay. I thought did you, you're like link cable podcast. You'll know all no. about JRPGs there. No, no, all no, they no, talk no, about no. are Japanese games. No, no. Gaming on 10 is, is one of the podcasts that's still oh, on yes. my, 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 I had to, I, I hit the, I hit critical mass. Oh yeah. Where it was yeah. like, okay, all my podcasts came out this week. I have 75 hours of podcast to listen to. <laughs> mm. Time to start deleting stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I had to print. I don't have too many video game ones, but Gaming on 10 is one of them mm-hmm. that I, I keep, keeps me grounded yep. to my it's video game world. Sweet, sweet DDR talk. That's right. That, that's DDR what You know what? That's what you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna use your P3. You need to design a game for P3 that uses your awesome DDR hard pads. 
Because the Correct. buyers of multimorphic products just want yet another thing to purchase. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's your new challenge. It would be DVR great at shows. Handle. It would be it great would be at awesome shows. Show. It's like dial in, let you control with a phone. Well, we let you control with a DDR pad <laughs> with your feet. You better um, hit perfects or else that ball is draining. Yeah, you oh, can, man. you could raise the scoops with your feet. That, that worked. Oh, that would that, that that would be interesting. Think, well, think about it as a mode, and the game will start phantom flipping for you and keep the ball in play as long as you don't miss any of your steps. Hmm. Actually, that that is pretty cool. That is, uh, and, and as it goes and get, gets the final wizard mode is a ten footer. <laughs> hey, I'm all set. I'm ready. I've been pre- preparing my whole life for this. That's um, right. You're, you're, you've, been for, you've been forged in the fires of the arcades for this one moment, one chance, right. one victory. <laughs> for those that want to reach out to us, as we noted before, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. We're also available on facebook.com slash Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch as eclectic underscore gamers. And uh, uh, what? One. What? What? As you already know, no. From uh, from from our conversation here, we will be at Texas. If you want to see us at Texas, you can find us walking around. We've got pictures around, so you can see us. Yeah, people probably you, know what we look you like. Kind of know what we. Look did you like. see that terrible photo Jeff Teolis used as part of the? I did. Not my cool one where I'm with the Dragon's Lair, but the one with us, and I'm looking like I'm staring off I, into the sun of, and yeah. it was made out of Skittles, and I was going to eat it or something. I saw that. that was, I was <laughs> like, ah, that's the weird one. It's like, hey, I'm in the picture. I'm in a picture. Oh, no, it was a terrible photo. So, anyway, but uh, uh, no, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> uh. The important thing there is because of that, there is a non-zero chance that the next episode will be delayed. Right. Because it would actually be on the, we'd normally record on the day we would be dry, we will be driving back. Correct. So, and every time we thought about trying to record at Texas, we have no will to do it. Yeah. Because by the time the day's done, you're just We're like, too exhausted. I need sleep. So yeah, it'll probably so, be delayed uh, a little bit, but yeah. I think we're both off on Monday, so. Yes, we are. So we should be able to, if it's delayed, it'll be a day. Yeah. It's just, but FYI, because we yeah. follow a schedule and we like to keep people informed, Nick. Unless we get we real crazy and decide mm-hmm. to hold the mics while we drive in front of us and do the, con- and do the actual conversation while driving home. Set the laptop up and run everything. Well, I actually, up. my portable Tascam, I do have a Y-Splitter and two lavalier mics. Oh, we could clip oh, we them. Could. We, we could, could clip them and do it. I've got the, I've got the technology. We can rebuild this. <laughs> We do the driving home podcast. <laughs> People listening to the air event. It's just like the Canadian pinball podcast. Sorry, guys. Um. Here, we'll have to hit the brakes real hard because that guy cut us off and wait, oh. wake Eric up in the back. There are, there are, there are a few podcasts I listen to where you can tell they record in the car. They usually just say, yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear it. You hear the wipers. You hear it. One of, blinkers. One of, one of the podcasts I, I used to listen to, they are, they are now a defunct podcast, but, uh, they would set a audio recorder like your task cam on the center console between, and there'd be five of them in the car, and they would do the whole. They do a pre Gen Con record. Mm, okay, yeah, just the just the, the. It's not a the bad idea. Mic as they're driving down, and then they would release, and then every day they were that they were at Gen Con, they would release one, and then on the way home they mm. do their wrap up one. 
I don't think we're going to do that. Oh, no. I know we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing like a... I'm going to leave the hoe. We're driving See, down. Dennis we're driving down. Oh, I hate... The hope. I I'll hate, leave the hoe. Look, I'm going to tell you... I'm going to you, you can leave the hope if you want, but just think about how many... And this is a, we're being... It's a very judgmental episode, obviously. Uh, you think about all these shows, all these pinball ones that do the pre-Pinberg thing, and it's like it's all the same, and you don't have anything <laughs> to talk about. Just shut up. Shut up. It's just what I want to see and what I hope and what I live for. Gaming on 10 and for amusement only, they don't do that to us. No. They know what the people want. Yeah. Sing- single and player DDR. EMs. Flipperless. And, and multiplayer DDR. Or single player DDR, but you combine two pads together. Yes. Uh, That's what they want. Shape of a DDR pad. Form of DDR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks again, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, guys.